and welcome back to the movie pope podcast and today is another first and sort of not we've got brady jackwin back our very first guest on the podcast here to discuss his movie thoughts return and we are we're actually reviewing a movie that is going to be out in the festival circuit pretty soon brady yeah uh this thoughts return is in the it's in the circuit it's actually going to be completing it here soon um so it's been like in the festival circuit for like a year now so that's kind of usually the cycle and now it's coming up on its last few festivals and then it will be i can like get to distribution and go for the public with it and stop hiding it from everyone gotcha gotcha so <laughs> so when's it so when are you expecting to have it go public is it sometime this month or next month or no it'll it'll be probably I want to say a couple months um, because also it'll depend on what kind of distribution I get for it. Cause I, I would love to, I'd love to be able to actually get this one on some kind of platform, whether that's, you know, whether that's Tubi or some other, you know, platform that I might be able to get a connection with. Um, if not, then I will just release it, you know, on YouTube or something like that, but I'd rather see if I can get some kind of distribution for it. So who knows how long that can take. So I can't really say for sure, but we're definitely coming up on it soon now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, um, well, Brady, you were, you were kind enough to send us the link to, um, for a private screening earlier this week. And Lee and I had a, had a good, uh, a good look at it. And I gotta say it was, it, it, it was, it was, it was pretty intense. But, it, but in a good kind of way, um, Lee. What, since you're the movie Pope, uh, I defer to you uh, to get started on this. <laughs> yeah, no. So I mean, I would say like as soon as I kind of jumped into this, the big thing that I took away from it was I love when we use this visual storytelling, and what I mean by that is um, the first time we get kind of introduced to the characters, I see like the medical bracelet, right? Which is very clearly identified on him. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like nowadays we see so many times that directors, producers, whoever have writers, whoever is, you know, working on this, normally it feels like they have to like shove that in your face. Like someone has to talk about it or someone has to describe it. But I like how you just let it organically kind of happen because as soon as I saw that, I was like, hmm, interesting. You know, I see that. It's obviously, you know, he's not wearing that as some type of accessory. There's clearly a reason behind what is kind of going on with this. And, you know, I don't see anything obvious. Like, I don't see cast or something. So my mind's racing. Like, okay, what's kind of going on here? You know, I did kind of get to the conclusion that there was some form of, you know, self-harm that he was trying to do. But I found it very interesting that, a lot of that was more visual as opposed to just flat out telling the audience. Um, so I guess my question to you would be like, how do you kind of work that in the story? Or do you feel like it's more important for you to help visually show people what's happening as opposed to just flat out telling them what this character is going through? Um, yeah, I think so. The, the, the like little, the hospital armband was kind of a big, uh, it was it was an interesting point for us because, yeah, I, I think it's a lot more powerful if you you don't answer all those kind of questions, because I think I think it's just a matter of giving the audience a feeling that something is going on. And that's, you know, it, like you said, it's not something someone just wears. So it instantly kind of draws attention to itself in that like, oh, why, it, it begs the question of why he has that on. 
Um, and then, yeah, I just thought it was so much more powerful to let the audience kind of imagine in their own head what that was from. And given the interaction he has with um, his kind of girlfriend or whatever relationship you think they can have there, um, you start to maybe piece it together. And I think it's just more, it's uh, both maybe more disturbing, but also kind of more, I hope, more emotionally impactful if you don't give that answer and that way I can just imagine, you know, was it a suicide attempt? Was there an accident? Is he, you know, what's his mental state? So it was really, and we thought about that at the beginning. There wasn't really a, there wasn't, I don't think a hospital band in like my first draft of the script, but I wanted to get across that feeling of someone who's, who's on the edge without just, like you said, without having to have dialogue that explicitly stated that, you know, I didn't want someone to be like, you know, hey, man, remember back when you tried to take your own life? That was really crazy. Like I wanted <laughs> I wanted us to have a thing that communicated that, you know, almost instantaneously without any words, because it just it it it, it puts you in that position where you're like, oh, this character is already like primed and ready to go. And then the rest of the film is like pushing them over that edge. But they're already standing on the edge, you know, and I I wanted to somehow get that through. So hopefully that that hospital band kind of begged that question. I mean, I kind of like the fact that that with this, you know, with this particular movie, like you give us enough details, but not enough to answer our questions, and it kind of leaves us to kind of fill in the blanks ourselves. That's that's what I was thinking the entire time as I was watching it. Um, yeah, especially with short films too, right? Because it's just like I only have you know maybe ten, maybe like fifteen, twenty minutes if I'm really making a a longer short film, um, and if you answer all the questions, it's just like, you're, you already, it's hard to be engaged because it's not like, you know, the characters, you know, it's a short film. So there are, it already has this vibe of like people kind of care less and they seem to not get as invested in the characters. So yeah. I try to get them with that intrigue and have them, you know, have them try. If the audience is trying to figure out what's happening, you're at least engaging them in the storytelling. At least they're having to think about it rather than just, me if i'm just spoon feeding you stuff you know it's like it's just it's so boring for me to just tell you what the story is it's not it's not engaging at all so w why this particular topic um so i think there there's a couple things one and probably the most like surface level and trite is that i just i originally was going to try to uh, act in this myself and just kind of do it myself, record myself, you know, direct and act in it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so the headphones was kind of a way of me having characters that I could actually hear in camera, being able to like hit play on the recording, hear their voices in my ear, and then be able to respond and act across from them and work the camera, you know, at the same time. So that's yeah. kind of how that idea kind of came about. But then obviously just the whole structure of the story, I just, I don't know. I thought I've always been really interested in the idea of, of suicide. I mean, I've, I've dealt with stuff like that before. I know a lot of people have. Um, and, but I, I thought that it's usually handled in, in a kind of a, at least in short films, I don't know, kind of a glossy way, I guess that, that, that I don't know, just tries to portray the person as having these thoughts and it's still, it's just kind of squeaky clean sometimes. And I thought this might be a way of like 
yeah, it's horror and there's like these scary ethereal elements to it, but also I I wanted to portray how your own mind can just like say the worst things to you. Like only your own mind can say the most terrible gut-wrenching things to yourself because it knows, you know, what you're most afraid of, right? And I thought that that was something I wanted to portray. I wanted to get the brutalness of it and also just the the feeling that it's going to go on forever, you know, that it's never going to be over and that it's just this cycle and maybe you're going to beat it for a little bit, but then it's going to come right back. And I, I wanted to really capture that like hopelessness in it, which is, you know, I guess not a lot of fun for people to watch, but that's what it is. So I wanted to kind of be honest with it. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I, I'm glad that you talked about that because, um, the dialogue to me was really captivating, right? As somebody that's had friends, family that have kind of unfortunately gone through that, I, I think it was really impressive how you kind of captured that like awkwardness where like it's hard for people to really talk about the experience. Um, we saw that a lot where, you know, she just felt awkward about saying anything. And then on the flip side, we saw the uh, the main actor um, who really like looked at it and, you know, you see the thoughts of like, you know, you could do this really quickly. You know, he's thinking about how what he's going to do is going to impact her and how maybe, you know, there's ways that he could kind of do this without having her being negatively impacted. And, and there's just so much that's racing through his mind. I was curious, how do you like really write dialogue and come up with lines like that? Because I think they really, uh, you do a great job of both capturing kind of that helplessness and, and also kind of capturing the fact that like, even though this is a subject that a lot of people struggle with, I, I think people will always kind of have that inability to kind of articulate and interact with people. So how did you kind of come up with some of the dialogue and some of the discussion um, with either how they were communicating or how he was kind of uh, hearing things in his mind. Um, that's, yeah, that's tough because I guess writing dialogue is really hard. I mean, writing is hard. That's just the way it is. There's really no, no way around it, but I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm not sure that I could say how I do it. I just know it when I see it. So like, I'll there's, I mean, there's plenty of lines I wrote for that, that I took out. Right. And it's just because I, I wrote them. And then, you know, a lot of times I'll write a scene and then I'll kind of sit back and almost talk it to myself, you know, kind of play it out in my mind, see if it works naturally. Cause also you write a whole scene and then, you know, maybe the lines are right, but like the pace is wrong. Like maybe they get into it too fast and it's too dramatic and they didn't like, you know, they didn't, just kind of talk to each other for a little bit before they got into the really dramatic part of the conversation or, or what have you. So I, I don't know. I, I write it. I try to just be as honest as I can with that stuff. Um, I don't ever want to feel like I'm writing dialogue. That's feels like it's for a movie. You know what I mean? Especially in a short film like this, that needs to feel like they have a real relationship. I didn't want it to, you know, I didn't, I didn't want him to feel like, and ain't him to feel like this perfect person. I didn't want her to feel like this perfect comforting girlfriend who always says the right thing. Uh, Cause also, like you said, like I think the big strength in that um, is that we don't, we feel like we're going to say the wrong thing. If we have a friend who's going through that, we're like, well, I don't want to, I'm walking on eggshells. I don't want to say the wrong thing and set them off. And I don't want them to think that I'm fawning over them. And I'm so worried about them all the time. Cause that's even worse. 
So it's a really, it's almost like there's no good way to help, like, or at least there's no perfect way to help, you know? So there's always something you're going to say wrong. And I just wanted to, I wanted to capture that and just jump right into it and have her just instantly be trying to maybe do something like, Hey, maybe we can get some food or something like that. And his, he just doesn't give her anything. He doesn't give any kind of normal response. So she's just left in this awkward moment and she just is lit. I think she's just grasping at straws, you know, just trying to find something to make him feel better or at least to, to comfort him in some way. And Carmela Nucci, who plays, uh, plays that role did a really good job. I think with just kind of showing her worry in a way that was like, I'm worried, but I'm not, I don't want to come off like that. I want to, I want it to seem normal. I don't want you to think that I'm super worried over you. And that was tough to write, but it's also a thing where the actors make it better. You know, you write something and maybe you're unsure. And then the actors add something to it that really, really, you're like, oh, it works now. And maybe it didn't work on paper. So it's, it's all credit to Reed Vroman and Carmela Nucci. They were, they were great to work with. I mean, you could sense the helplessness from her as she's looking at him, mm. too. So Absolutely. Yeah, that was a big thing we talked about with her character was just like she she needed to not she needed to feel like she didn't know what to do. You know, like she's trying to do something, but she doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't know to take him somewhere or to get him. She doesn't know what to say. And I think all of us are like, who knows exactly what to say to someone who's going through that you know like what do you do do you tell him you're there for him do you try to act like everything's normal so it's not weird you know and i wanted to grab a hold of that with her character so one thing that really that really stood out to me were the voices it, it because because to your point it, it he, he wasn't really responding to her but as soon as the voices came on it was like oh wow we're, we're having a full-on conversation here i mean I mean, Lee, what did you think about the about the voices that were playing in his head? Yeah, it was very haunting. And I believe I, I noticed when the credits were rolling, I, I saw a few names pop up there. Uh, I'm just curious, who ended up doing a lot of the voices that he was hearing? So it's two YouTubers, actually, that I found. Um, do you guys know do you guys know what like what ASMR is? Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> so like, yeah, and it's and like I know these two, I don't know these two guys, but like I've seen their stuff and they're both very like one, obviously they have like really good, cool, deep, weird voices for something like this. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. But also like all their videos are super well produced. Like they have great camera work, great lighting on their stuff. And they like, they kind of go all out, you know, um, in a medium where you could argue like they don't have to, like they could just, you know, talk softly and people would fall asleep and that's like the whole point right but they like make really like cinematic videos so i knew that they were the right people to talk to about this um and i had worked with one uh his youtube channel's name is phoenician sailor i'd worked with him once before on my one of my first short films called liar he actually did uh the voice of this entity in that one as well so we had had a good working relationship he's really into horror um as is atlas asmr which is the other guy who did it um they're both super talented and i was just so happy we did like one zoom call and they knew exactly what they were supposed to do and they sent me audio recordings like a couple takes of each line and then i would just choose and i would mix it in and figure it out but great great voices a great accent with atlas asmr you got that amazing accent he has so that was super fun to work with them i mean because you could tell like with the different voices you it, it, 
to me, they kind of felt like they represent different levels of the psyche. Like one of them's like, yeah, maybe you should do it. And the other one's like, no, you got to do it. Like, mm. do it now. That that was my takeaway from. from oh, that's voices. interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I uh, I, I really wanted. I wanted it to feel like at times they, they talk to each other too, a little bit, you know, like, like the first thing they say, like one of them says one thing and the other one kind of agrees with him. And it's like, yeah, he's right. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted it to feel like they were like, almost like there's a room in his head and he's in it. And those two voices are in it. And they're just like, they're in there and they're talking to each other. And, and the voices are, you know, they're, possibly his kind of subconscious that's happening like you said maybe they're different elements of his subconscious and that's why like i could have had him record the voices right with his own voice but i thought i don't know it has a different la layer to it it feels it's a different feeling when they're like completely separate divorced voices from the actual actor it, i don't know i feel like it feels more aggressive when it's not the character's own voice even though you know it's his inner it's his inner voices right but it's not his actual voice it gave it a, a more a feeling of like something tormenting you like something that's enjoying you being in pain and i felt like that's that's something i wanted with with how they delivered those lines no i i, I really like that and i i think it does kind of show you kind of to luca's point i think that's a very good call out like it's just kind of that struggle and how someone that's probably going through some of the darkest moments like there's probably stuff that's going through their mind that you couldn't even grapple with and you know there's just uh, i think a lot of that happens um uh, yeah. i thought something else and i was curious how you kind of went about this process um you know there is you know some music that he's listened to on airpods and obviously i you know feel like this is probably not a commercial for airpods um <laughs> but I, I thought it kind of like interesting um, you know, was there any significance behind the music that's playing that he's listening to? Because I was very curious to see if that was maybe something deeper that maybe me uh, missing um, when I was uh, uh, watching through that. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's it's a little less about what the actual song is, although like there are definitely significances in the title of the song and, and certain other things that I did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> but um but it was more for me, it was more about the feeling of what kind of song he was listening to. Cause he could have been right. We had to make that decision, right? He could have been listening to anything. It could have been like classical music could have been, you know, I don't know, some like relaxing thing to help him sleep. And, but I don't know. I, I and this was one of the first, like, you know, when you're writing something, you kind of get an image in your head or you get an idea of a certain moment from it that you're obsessed with. And one of them was just the idea of this guy sitting there, you know, almost, almost comatose, almost emotionless, like he's hypnotized or something. But the music he's listening to is the most like thrash metal, the most, <laughs> the hardest like metal I could find. Now that the song that's playing is not the hardest metal I necessarily could find, but it, it was the one that worked the best. Um, but like, I just love the idea of someone like appearing so vulnerable and kind of shut down at the same time but then with that music playing i don't know it's it's like the whole movie right is that it's like this guy and he's fronting this persona out there but then inside if what's happening inside is this crazy aggressive thing that is just after him and and i really wanted the feel so it's less for me about like what that song is specifically and more how it feels to listen to that song like it feels aggressive and and 
and hard, you know? Yeah, I mean, what I thought was interesting was the fact that, you know, is when the music's playing, he kind of he kind of calms down a little bit because he was agitated at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, even though when his girlfriend's talking, he's like, oh, what am I going to do? He feels like a deer in the headlights, you know, but then, you know, but then, you know, as he as he slowly lets the music kind of like, you know, calm him down when he hears the voices, he kind of like flinches a little bit, but then he kind of goes back into this relaxed state. It's almost, it's almost as if he's he, he's he's kind of used to it and he's expecting those voices to come in. It's like the voices and the music kind of go hand in hand. That's hmm. that, that, that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, that's that's interesting. I, I'm well, I'm really happy that you said that because that's something that I really wanted to. Uh, that was a big part of what I wanted to get is that I wanted those voices to feel familiar to him. Like, like how anyone who's dealing with that stuff, right? Those are going to be feelings that you become kind of friendly with. You're, you're aware of them. It's like, Oh yeah, I've had these thoughts before these thoughts. That's, I mean, it's the whole title, right? Like that's why it's so familiar. It's like, they're almost old friends in the most screwed up way, you know? So I'm really happy that you, that you've kind of felt that. Yeah, it was. It, 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 it kind of felt like a parasitic relationship, Lee, didn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, because I, I think with the music too, the way you know, I kind of looked at it, and very ironic that you had ASMR uh, people that were the voices. <laughs> was you know, I, I look at a lot of people do like ASMR music. A lot of that is kind of like an escape from the things that you're struggling with. That I, I found it very impactful that. You know, I looked at the music as him being, you know, trying to drown all that noise out. But unfortunately, the noise just kept building up and then it just started control. So I, I thought that it, it was a very powerful way of kind of showing that and kind of mm -hmm. showing how, like you said, I think the name that I remember seeing, I think it was called On the Edge um, was the name of the song. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it just kind of, I think kind of further pushed that point home how, you know, something that he might enjoy that, like you pointed out, might seem kind of odd that someone that's going through this would listen to something uh, hard like that as opposed to, like, maybe something like classical music. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this would hit very differently if he was listening to Mozart. Um, right, right. So, yeah. um, but I did find that very interesting how, you know, kind of, un unfortunately, those kind of dark thoughts and everything just seemed to uh, kind of almost overtake him no matter what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's funny, dude, because like like Mozart, like it would have its own effect, you know? Like it would be its own mm -hmm. thing. So it was like it was hard to choose because I knew oh, I knew I wanted that like thrashing kind of sound, but like if he was playing calming kind of music and then the voices interrupted that, that would be its own thing, you know? So that was definitely a challenge choosing the right the right soundtrack there. Um, but I'm glad you guys feel that way about that because that's exactly why we chose that music, and that's that's a nice affirmation that you guys feel that way about that scene. <laughs> uh, no, I did want to talk a little about about the lighting because it looks like it, it looks like for the most part you're really not relying too much on artificial light. You're you're ma mainly just using ambient light. Was that um was that really the case, or did you have to like use a few lights here and there to kind of get the desired effect? Yeah, I'll dummy lights. So like that lamp that's in the in the living room especially at the beginning um that lamp is actually casting light but also it a lot of times it wasn't enough so i would just put uh one of my little led panels next to it and then just uh increase the light amount there 
So the light's all you're seeing, but that that uh, that LED is dummying it and kind of increasing it and putting it where I want. Um, I but yeah, if for the most part, it's kind of dummying practicals there, except for when he the when he the voices really first start in on him because then you get this like kind of harsh blue light that's hitting the back of him and kind of like edging out the side of his face and it's not really clear where that's coming from and it feels like it gives it a different feeling like it's a little more um otherworldly so i kind of wanted that to feel like it was like the blue light is kind of those voices it's like their color you know it's like their whole representation is like when that blue light comes in or or when a scene is kind of draped in blue light it's like when they come in now all of a sudden he has this harsh blue edge on his face that he didn't really have before and it feels like we just entered into another movie you know um but yeah i, I for the most part it was like playing off the natural stuff that was in the room like the lamps or the uh the moon outside or what have you Oh, Lee, did you have anything to add? Uh, no, that that sounds like a big adult question that, you know, little kids like me, <laughs> when I'm watching something, the, the lighting and everything like that is just over my head. Um, <laughs> well, it's good. You shouldn't. So, I, I hope you don't think about that stuff when you're watching it, too. Like, that means I did no, my job. No, if, no. If, if it comes up too much, that means I probably suck at my job. So it's good. <laughs> no, no. No, trust me, it was it was not the least bit distracting at all, at least for <laughs> me watching it, who, like I said, I, I definitely uh, am not going to pretend like that's something that sticks out a lot to me. So mm-hmm. um, I had one minor thing, and I, and I because we talked a lot about it, but I feel like as a movie review, I would be remiss not to mention this. Um, <laughs> Dude, man, tear me thing. a new one. Tear me a new one. One, one thing that popped <laughs> up. And wait, I just want to make sure, Luca, was there anything else before... I go into my tirade. Before right? I rip this um, movie there... apart, you want to say another positive thing about it? <laughs> I, 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 will, I, will, I will say this, though, about the lighting. Um, Lee and I are coming from two very different angles. He's very much from, coming from a critical standpoint. Because I, I studied film, I'm always thinking from a technical standpoint. So that's the reason. So that, so the questions that I ask are going to be completely different from what he's asking. Sweet. I mean, that's more interesting, right? <laughs> So you just create the balance. So Lee, yeah. your moviness, let it rip. <laughs> okay. All right. So Brady, I hope you're sitting down. I see you're sitting down, right? <laughs> so, I'm just going to fall out of my chair. <laughs> no, no, no. So one thing that I had to pull out, and it's a total nitpick. I couldn't help but notice. Uh, I could tell that the scenes in the kitchen were done. Uh, it wasn't filmed in order that we saw the scenes. Oh, because of the clocks? Because of the clocks, yeah, yes, the freaking yeah, we- yeah, it's it, yes, the freaking <laughs> stupid clocks, yeah. Uh, don't film in front of ovens, guys, don't do that. That's stupid. Because <laughs> guess what? It takes 50 minutes to set up a shot, and the shot is supposed to take place at the same time, and it's not gonna work. I know the, the microwave, it goes from like 750 to like 1250 in like a second yeah yep that's how late you were staying up filming that movie so i'm glad you caught yeah, it because it annoys me every that, time yeah and, and i like i said i'd be remiss not to mention it and like i said i think it just goes to show how challenging it is because i think like as someone that's like kind of watching something 
in my brain, I'm like, okay, well, they just film scenes in the order that we would see it in the movie, right? Right. Um, but the reality is that's not going to always be the case. Like, there's yeah. something I'm sure where maybe you came back and maybe you felt like something was missing, or like I said, maybe the the uh, actor's availability might change. So, uh, is it really hard to kind of put all that together as a filmmaker, where you know you're kind of having to shoot all this different stuff, and it's maybe hard to kind of make sure that you're still capturing the vision that you want to with everything kind of being all over the place and maybe not everything being in sequential order. Yeah, it's definitely a jigsaw puzzle. And that's my whole job, right? As as the director, it's just my job to hold the movie in my head the whole time. You know, that's so when we're shooting, say, out of order, which most things are shot out of order, like you almost never get to shoot sequentially. It's just it's never like the most efficient way to do things, even though it's like it's the most emotionally honest way to do it because then the actors literally get to like go through the arc of their character. But it's like, it never works out that way because like you could be shooting one half of the scene. And then in order to shoot the next shot, you would need to do this crazy different rig for the camera. But the shot after that one has the same rig. So it's like, well, why don't we just shoot that one first and then come back and switch our rigs up just to like save on a ton of time. Um, so it's hard to do that, but that's why I like to storyboard a lot beforehand. I like to make sure that I know exactly what shots I need to get the scene so that even though I'm jumping all over the place and doing like the last shot first or all that kind of stuff, um, I still know what I need and I still know where it fits in the script. Uh, as far as the actors go, I'm sure it's a little more difficult to do things like that, but they're used to it. I mean, they're actors. So that's kind of, again, how most projects work um but it's it's hard and i definitely could have just gone to the oven and changed the time on it but i got lazy and <laughs> got, got uh it was like like you saw in, like you'd see in the film it's like 12 o'clock at night well, i think we shot until like two in the morning and uh we were all tired and i didn't want to take another you know 30 seconds to change the time on the oven and that's on me. Now I got to live with it and I got to get berated for it by you guys. So thanks a lot. <laughs> like I said, luckily, like it, the only, I, I didn't capture it the first or second time. It was only my Good. third viewing. <laughs> Good. That's, that's all I hope to me. for. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's the reality is, is that no one's obviously going to be paying that close attention. And I know I struggle with that idea of like perfection where everything just has to be just right. Yeah. And I realize that the reality is, is that there's going to be things that aren't going to be critical, right? Because the storytelling, who gives a shit what the oven says? Right. It's not there to kind of create anything. So um, yeah. yeah, that that was the one thing that, like I said, I eventually captured that on my third showing. I just don't <laughs> know what grabbed my attention towards that damn oven but then yeah. it was like yeah it was 849 and then it was 1256 and then jump back to 726 yeah and it's i was like, like three huh, times that's too. really weird it's not even just in one shot it's like in three separate shots that it just keeps changing mm -hmm. and it's like bright green numbers so it doesn't it doesn't blend in super well like it's very obvious and yeah it's 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 a game of compromises that's what it is like i just i could have done it like i definitely could have taken the time but I probably was just so focused on getting the performances I want. Cause I know like, like you said, obviously like if the performances are bad, but the time on the oven is right. Well, that's who gives a flying <laughs> crap about that. Right. It's like, we want the performances to be good. And if I mess up the oven timer, okay. Hopefully people just don't notice cause they're so engaged with the performances, but you know, I could use a freaking 
script supervisor to help with that kind of stuff because I was doing <laughs> everything and that's what I get for rock and solo, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, in your defense, it could be that he was so enthralled by these voices, he kind of lost track of time. That's exactly what I was going for, dude, for sure. That's, <laughs> oh, that's totally a genius. It. I'm I am a genius. genius. I mean, what can I say, dude? <laughs> you, although, you got I, it right there. Although although I will say the girlfriend was gone for quite a while. I mean, four hours, like four Jesus hours. Christ. She's cheating on him. That's why he's trying to <laughs> do this. Because yeah, she's really obvious about it. She's like, I'm gonna go get food. Four hours passes, and she comes home with glitter on her face. Like, what is what's going on? You dude, you, wow, this just added so many layers. Like, who would have ever thought that the love and conspiracy? had all uh -huh. these layers because now i have to question like you know maybe she's the root cause of all of his issues now yeah. and this just got a totally different light oh it's yeah. it's amazing how something that's so innocuous could have such <laughs> a dramatic effect on the story also i mean are they dating right because at the end like he goes to bed and, and he's like i'll see you tomorrow so like they're not sleeping in the same room supposedly or maybe they're just like a good Christian couple and, and she's like, they sleep in separate rooms or something, you know, like that doesn't really make sense. Like, so I don't know, like, and we knew that when we were shooting it and I was like, it's okay. Let, let the people ask that question. Like, whatever, who cares? Like, will maybe they're not like, you know, you don't know, like they don't ever kiss or anything. Like she could be his, you know, they, they could be, he could be adopted and they're like sis, brother and sister or something like, or like different parents, same, same mom or something like that. I don't know. Like who knows? <laughs> so all these things are just, they're in there, man. <laughs> I mean, we tried Lee, we tried to get the answer out of him, but <laughs> nope. never going to happen. It ruins it. <laughs> so, um, so, so Lee, did you have any other any other thoughts or any other critiques you wanted to give about this movie? No, honestly, that was literally like I said, it's someone that watched it three times. Um, I appreciate you it wasn't it until the third showing too, that. Yeah, no, no. Like I said, I I, I thoroughly enjoy that, and you know, I, I think it just goes to show you that, like, a lot of this big media now, just because it's like really big, just because people pour ridiculous sums of money into something doesn't mean that you're going to get quality work out of it. Um, yeah. And like I said, I was more engaged in the first 10 seconds of seeing your short compared to loads of other things I've seen just because you're willing to, I feel like not speak down to your audience. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I really appreciate that when I see something like that. Um, I think a movie that I always kind of think about that has something like this uh, and it's a very weird example, but always sticks out my mind is a scene from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, mm. and, and there's this scene where, um, and I forget the the main actor, right? The detective, um, Bob Hoskins. He's sitting at, yes, Bob Hoskins. Yes, um, the actor Bob Hoskins across his desk. And I guess spoilers to anyone that's not seen that. I apologize. <laughs> I'm about to spoil. Uh, you know. 30 old movie here um, but there's this really great scene where you look you see across the desk and you see it's all of his brother's old stuff his brother that was killed by the villain of the movie um and, and it wasn't like spelled out to us like we kind of know what happened but it was really interesting to see just a visual storytelling of how 
he had this such a strong connection with his brother that he left everything just the way it was when he died. Mm. So something where we didn't have to have like yeah. someone spoon feeding us like, oh man, he loved his brother so much. And you know, they yeah. had all this great stuff. Like we didn't have to verbally hear that. I could visually understand what you're trying to tell me by just showing it to me. And, yeah. and I think I appreciate movies that do stuff like that because to me, that's a lot more impactful, right? It feels a lot more, uh, I would say, realistic to what people are going through. Uh, and I like that a lot more than just like, you know, having this awkward conversation where, you know, maybe the opening is, you know, the two of them in a car being like, hey, do you want to talk about your suicide attempt? And, and it would just feel so, you know, yeah. I feel like movies nowadays do stuff like that, maybe to not that extreme. But right. I, I feel like we just as an audience, they have to really dub it down for people. And I like being able to think about what it is that we're going through. And even with the whole oven fiasco, right? Um, <laughs> the, the great even, oven fiasco of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even with the great oven fiasco, like, you know, obviously you know, it kind of adds more dimension to that conversation that Luca brought up. So I, I think, like I said, that's what I like to see. And I, I really appreciate when uh, I feel like as an audience member, you trust the audience to understand what you're trying to get across without having to have everything painstakingly spoon fed to us. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I believe the same thing. I mean, it's very, it's it's like Inception, right? Like that movie talks about. Like the idea has to seem self-generated. So the audience has to feel like they uncovered that thing, whatever it is, or it won't be as powerful. It won't stick with them. Like if you tell them, then they just take it for granted. But if they discover it, and if you write a story that's engaging enough, then you don't have to spell out every little thing because people will just, they'll want to dig into that stuff. If you make a story that's so boring and so... And just no characters are interesting, then why would they want to dig into the little things that you've hidden in there, right? But if you make a story that's um, that's like very interesting and engaging and has characters you care about, you're gonna watch it again. You're gonna dig into the scenes. Well, why'd they frame it that way? Why is that there? You know, and then you're gonna find all the layers there. So it's like write a good story first, and then everything else will kind of come. But it's just. I don't know. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of movies that that's it's almost thought of as second secondary, like engaging characters and writing a story that people want to uncover and being, you know, being okay with questions, being okay with the audience, maybe not getting all the answers that they want. Like, that's good. The audience doesn't know what they want. Like, they don't know what the best movie that they're going to want is sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, they might think that they want all the answers, but if you actually gave it to them, they'd think the more movie was boring and lame. So I don't know. Steve Jobs in, in that, that movie says that people don't know what they want until you show it to them. And I think that's sometimes true with movies, not to sound too pretentious about it, but I think you got to <laughs> st stick to your guns, you know? And then if, if people are going to, if you've written an engaging story, then you've bought yourself some leeway and you can do some things that people might be like, Oh, I don't know if I like that or, Oh, I don't know what that means, but guess what? They're engaged, so they're going to remember it. And that's, I think, more important than making just, I don't know, something just to make it, right? <laughs> Wait, you remember when we reviewed The Nun 2 and you were telling me how horror, uh, you know, nowadays has become formulaic and, 
you know, every, you know, you you kind of yes. if you follow these certain elements, you've got a horror film like you have to have X number of jump scares. You know, the villain, oh, you know, the, the yeah. monster does this and this. I'll talk uh, horror all day with you guys. Let's do it. <laughs> so, 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 what do you, so what did you think of this in terms of, as a horror film, Lee, compared to the trailers that we've looked at in previous episodes? Well, I mean, I guess I go back to what we talked about, how this felt a lot more cerebral, right? Like, this is a lot less focused on the, you know, kind of the, the, the jump scare, so to speak, and everything else that I feel like plagues horror movies nowadays. Uh, I like the fact that a lot of this was very a self-contained issue, right? And I think it's a very real issue, and I think that's what really brings the point home. Like, you know, a lot of people know people or even struggle through that type of like you know mental issues all the time right uh, i would say people probably experience a lot more than having a crazy nun chase after them uh, and pop out <laughs> of the shadows right yeah, i, I, I mean, think the reality is is that you know the fact that this could really engage people on a personal level i, I think is what kind of makes it that much more dire like i felt that sinking feeling like when he has the knife in his hand like i don't know anything about this guy like this guy could legitimately watch it like i might be watching some snuff movie right now that you just sent over to us and i wouldn't be the wiser because i don't know what to expect and i think that just speaks volumes about what you're able to create instead of creating this almost like cookie cutter expectation that hey we have to have this this and this Otherwise, people are not going to want to see it. So I, I think as far as like creating tension, I feel this a lot more in, in like I, I think the 13 minute short than like if I was watching something where I'm like, oh boy, I can't wait for this awkward jump scare or some stupid thing to pop out from the shadows. Uh -huh. uh, I'm not interested in that. And I think the way that that was handled was a lot more impactful than this than things I would see nowadays. And yeah. like I said, this is coming from someone not huge in horror at all. So I just want to throw that out there. No, I not mean, my genre, but this definitely got me feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I'm, I so appreciate you saying that. And I think, I think it's, um, you, it's weird. And again, at risk of sounding pretentious, I think you have to be willing to lose something when you're making something like this, because you do lose people when you don't have jump scares and when you don't have uh, the standard kind of horror fare that you see, you do lose people. Like there's people who want that. And there's a place for that kind of fun uh, popcorn horror movies. I think James Wan does a lot of great horror. That's also, it's very like fun, you know, it's very fun horror, but it's also well-made. Um, but when you make something and you decide, Hey, this is actually going to like, yeah, it's a horror film, but there's never going to be a moment where the audience is like waiting to jump out of their seat. It's more of like, I think dread is a lot more of the word that we used when we were making this. Like I wanted it to feel a sense of dread. People to just, they, they're not afraid that something's going to pop out and scare them. They're afraid of what's inevitably going to happen in the scene. And that's a lot different and less fun version of horror. You know what I mean? So I, I think you have to be willing to like say, no, that's not the movie I'm making. Right. I'm making a, like a cerebral kind of horror movie that's that's not going for this kind of fun jump scare vibe, you know? And I'll, maybe I'll make one of those in the future, but for this one, it was just like, that's not what I was making. And I don't know, you definitely lose people, but 
I think it's worth it to hold on to what's in your head. So. Yeah, remain true to yourself or true to your vision, as yeah. it were. Yeah. So, um, so as is customary, um, with our movie reviews, we always like to give out scores. Um, oh Lee. boy. <laughs> oh, Lee, will, will you do the honors? <laughs> Two out okay. of ten. Dude. All right, wait a minute. Uh, damn it. Well, wait a minute. I only do score out of five, so that's oh, okay. the first things off. Yeah, we always do it out of five. Ten, then it, I'm gonna break the system, and then everything's <laughs> gonna collapse. So okay, do I get to I rate think, it too? Oh, yes, I think that's okay. <laughs> Great. I want because I, I I do and I do think it's interesting, right? Because I think that you know it's interesting to see how like once you do everything, how you feel about it when it comes out. So I'm actually yeah. very interested now. Yeah. Uh, in that, that's a very interesting thing. So. I think for myself, right, I would give this a really strong four out of five, right? Mm -hmm. And I will say, Brady, just to let you know, I've never given anything better than a 4.2 on the channel. So I think that's the highest I've ever gone. And I think my big things are, I, I love that feel of dread that's created. I love the fact that uh, I'm not, you know, sitting here, you know, kind of listening to what I feel like is just fake dialogue. Like I felt like the interactions I saw we're true to the situation. Uh, and, and I really like that because uh, as I said earlier, you know, I've been around people that have struggled with this and I, I think you capture both the helplessness of the, the actor that's going through it, but also the people around him that don't know what to say and don't know what to do in that situation. I think mm -hmm. that's just captured very well. And it creates that sense of how you put it dread that dread that we're kind of going through it. And I think that, like I said, that's what I was really glad to see. And I'm definitely very interested in seeing more. I think I am very much hooked to that universe and I'm looking forward to seeing, um, like I said, the more suicide of what's cinematic um, universe. <laughs> yeah. I'm it, dude. yeah. We're coming out with sequels. That's it. That's it. Prequels too. <laughs> Screw it. I'm Marvel. I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> all right we're just gonna bring everyone together we're gonna create this awkward <laughs> universe and we don't know what we're gonna do it but at the end it's just um, like yeah, david that, will return looking. in the sequels <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking iron man oh God damn goodness. spoilers now we know yep. oh, now, now we, we know but, but, Lee, but Lee, look on the bright side you know we'll, we'll, we'll get first crack at it before any anyone else so that's right you get those early oh screeners. that's true that's right <laughs> We have to have, yeah, we have to have the inside look now. That uh, <laughs> That's pretty much it, so. You set the um, president. Yeah, so. um, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a 4.1. And. Wow. Uh, just to beat him out. Movie. Just, it's, you, you, Jeopardy. I know. Is just, Jeopardy? Is it Jeopardy? No, it's, uh, the price is right. I'm, the price I'm, is I'm, right I'm, in him. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, if you watch, if you watch any of our episodes, I'm, I'm always trying to one up or one down him. So fair enough. It's, it's, he does it's do a dynamic. This. It is a conspiracy. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's just a power dynamic. But, but no, um, I, 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 I was going to say, like, in, in particular, what I really, really loved was the fact that there was minimal dialogue, at least between the characters. It was, it was mainly internal. And what I really, really enjoyed was the fact that you have these voices that, you know, that, that were not the characters, but they were the characters at the same time. And as I mentioned before, they, they to me, they represent um, different levels of the psyche because, you know, because anybody who's taken psycho psychology class or who has, you know, heard enough about psychology or seen movies about psychology, I mean, the human psyche is, you know, is layered in so many ways. So, you, so I kind of get the feeling that as, 
you know, as the movie progresses, you're kind of peeling the layer back little by little to see what's really, really going on until it hits that crescendo where he goes to the sink holding the knife. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I will say the, the, the kitchen clock was, was something that kind of threw me off because then that got me going off on the tangent about, well, what the hell was the girlfriend been doing for four hours? <laughs> what I, no. what I, but, um, no. what I, <laughs> I, I'm 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 a very I'm a very weird person. My Lee can attest to the fact that I will go off tangent very very easily. Isn't that true, Lee? <laughs> this is a hundred percent a fact. So, so but um but what I but what I, what I will say was that at the very end when he falls into bed, it real the, the big question that it raised was was it all just a dream? Like mm. was it all just playing in his head? Like was he was he just in bed the entire time and he imagined the whole thing? And I and I thought. This oh, is a really, it, 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 I mean, it's a really, really huge psychological mystery to me, mm-hmm. and I, and I mentioned it before in our first interview. But as I was watching, I kind of got Hamlet vibes from it because, he, because just like just like in that Shakespeare play, this is a man who's kind of struggling with his inner inner demons and inner psyche, and I just felt like you know this is a torment that that's that's relatable to everybody, whether they suffer from it or not. Because even if you don't suffer from it. It's it's something that kind of lurks in the back of your mind, mm-hmm. you know. It's that it's that old demon that that, that that's always been there. And to, to Lee's point, I mean, I mean, it, it's far more believable and far more intense than having some demonic creature, you know, in you know, in drag just popping out and trying to scare you. I mean, this mm-hmm. this is something that's very real, very present, and unfortunately happens to some people ever, you know, on a regular basis. So. I, I I genuinely enjoyed it, and I'm I'm hoping that you make more movies, and I'm hoping that you send us more links so we can do more of these interviews and more of these screenings with you. Yeah, man, I thank you, dude. I, I really appreciate you saying all that, and and I'm I'm glad you. Uh, it's interesting what you thought about kind of that ending scene too, and I was curious. I was going to ask you guys just what you thought of that, um, and I guess you Lee, since you he just kind of told me what he thought, but yeah, I was going to ask like. Lee, what did you think of that kind of ending scene? Like, what did you get from that? Because I'm I'm always curious because I don't get to get feedback a whole lot. Like, how that played out with him getting in the bed and then hearing the dialogue and how that ended. Like, what did you what did you get from that, or what did you feel when you saw that? God, like, I guess with everything else that happened, like, it's weird that that was Lucas' takeaway because I guess like the end was just almost like. I was cur- I was thinking more about like I was just curious for what was gonna happen. And I think it was kind of I had that sense of I didn't know like I got concerned for the character and what was gonna happen to him. So I didn't think about it as much as uh, I guess Luca, you have a very interesting aspect of it for me. It felt like everything had kind of gone through in kind of like a, a normal narrative sort of sense. And, and like for me at least, my feeling was like, without him like having kind of those distractions like i said the music the asmr whatever you're interested in not having that nearby kind of gave me the sense of dread that you know he was going to kind of succumb to the voices almost Hmm. and and something else was going to happen so that's how i kind of envisioned it um as i kind of watched it and i guess you know mine's kind of probably a little bit more straightforward and simplistic uh but i think that I, i focused so much on how everything built up to that sequence that like my whole mindset was like, you know, Oh no, like I get that sense of 
was going to happen to the character and whether or not he's going to survive the night. And I, I really liked that scene right before he goes to the bedroom where, you know, the girlfriend or however we want to describe the other character, she says the phrase, you know, I'll see you tomorrow or, uh, you know, I, I'll see you tomorrow. And it's just, it kind of gave you that extra punch that that might not be true, right? Yeah. That her saying that that might not actually come to be. And it's a phrase that, we tell people that all the time, like, you know, yeah. hey, good, you know, good night, I'll see you tomorrow. It, it's something that's so common in our language, but in this story, in this context, that might not be a reality that happens. So that's yeah. how I took away from it. It was the build up to that and uh, kind of that sense of uneasiness about what was going to happen through him through the night. Yeah, super interesting. Thanks, man. That's, that's, uh, I'm glad. Thank you for telling me kind of how you felt about it. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I like it. Those, those are both really interesting kind of takes on the same scene. So yeah, that's cool that I got to hear that. I mean, Hey, we aim to please. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but before we wrap up, um, Brady, um, do you have any um, uh, upcoming projects in the pipeline you want to talk about or plug? Wait, 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 wait. before we get in that, sorry oh, to okay, still, sorry. I don't want to still thunder. Brady owes us a rating. Oh, that's totally right. unbiased rating oh, of what he saw. So before before <laughs> we get to the outro, I, I just didn't want to let Brady off the hook that easy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to do that. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I so I, I I won't give it. I I will abstain from giving it a straight up numerical rating just because I don't know that I could. I don't even know that I could do that or what it would be worth. But I will say, like obviously. I've made this thing. It's been a while now because it's been in the festival circuit. So I've learned a lot. I think I've grown a lot. So there's always things that you look back on and you're like, okay, I would change that. Like I would do that differently. I would do that better or, oh man, I should have made this choice or, you know, what have you. So there's always things you would change, but ultimately I'm, I'm very happy with it because despite there, you know, being things that I might do differently, at the end, I feel like it's true to what I set out to do. And I think it gives the audience the feeling that I wanted it to give them. And as long as it does that, then like, hey, there's always going to be things that I could do better, you know, but the feeling it gives the audience, if that's there, okay, cool. Then it was a success and I'm happy with it. And I, I, I'm excited for people to see it. So that's, that's good. Cause I'm usually very, very self detrimental and just tearing it apart. But I think I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the work we got. Uh, there i'm proud of the actors they did a great job and so yeah i'm I'm really happy with it so you did raise an like interesting that. point um so um and, and, I'm, and i'm sure this is a question um lee's probably got in his head also but if you were if you had a chance to to redo one scene or reshoot one scene what would it be Ooh. oh man. it's right on my mouth that's hard um that's I knew you really, were thinking it, Lee. So <laughs> that's really hard. You, you read my mind. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, geez, I don't know. I don't know if I could say there's a whole scene that I would redo. I think. Um, I think it's more like maybe there's like shots here and there where I'm like, okay, I should have, I should have shot that differently, or I should have. Uh, I should have used a different lens there or I, the lighting there wasn't as good as I would have liked it. Um, I don't know. I, that's really hard. I think there were some things that I wish I had been able to do technically 
that I couldn't do. Like there were certain dolly tracks that I built that I like, I would have loved to get a dolly track that was like circular or at least curved. So I could do like curved movements around him, but I had to just do like straight diagonal movements. Cause I only had a straight dolly track. So like there's stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Oh, here, you know what? Here's up. This is, I'm, I'm copping out, but there's some shots in it that are at a higher, this is nerdy. So I don't know if, but there, there are some shots that are at a higher shutter speed yeah. than other shots. And um, some of them are on purpose. There were ones that I did that I wanted to do, but then I forgot to turn it back. And then, <laughs> so there's other shots where it's like, oh, that shutter is wrong and it's a total accident. So I would go back and change that, but hopefully they're subtle and your average person doesn't really notice them. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, League, any any last words or last thoughts you want to ask Brady? No, 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 no. I, I think uh, put Brady through the ringer there really well. So I want to get him <laughs> off the hot seat. <laughs> uh, that's what it is, man. That's that's what you should call this, the hot seat. There you go. That's it. <laughs> we actually but, we we, uh, we actually might call this last round the hot seat. But um, oh, there you go. But before we sign off, Brady, are there any are there any um projects that you're working on, or, or is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, so first off, obviously, I have to I have to plug this film because uh, I though I don't know exactly when it's going to be out publicly for everyone to watch. It's in the festival circuit now, and you can follow the Instagram that I have for it, which is just thoughts return or like thoughts underscore return. Um, I should probably know this, you know, since I'm the freaking director of it. But hey, whatever. I suck <laughs> at social media. I'm horrible with it. Get over it. Whatever. Um, so it's yeah, it's thoughts underscore return um that's on instagram where I, I post stills i post behind the scenes from it you know i'm gonna hopefully post some of this interview there to try to get people to to listen to this um so yeah i think that that would be the first things follow that and then if you follow that you'll see my instagram and then i post about projects i'm doing because I'm, I'm writing another feature right now and i'm trying to get that made so there's a bunch of stuff i'm doing at once so i think i'll just stick to kind of plugging this film um and my youtube in general has a lot of films so if you if you like that if you like some dark stuff that's kind of what my sensibility is pretty pretty dark aspects of humanity that i like to cover um so yeah just yeah thoughts return at instagram check that out and tell me what you think there's cool tidbits and behind the scenes there that i'm not going to post anywhere else Cool. Excellent. Well, Brady, uh, again, I just want to thank you so much for coming onto the show today. And it was a real treat um, for, yeah. for two of us to um, to watch that movie. And I mean, ho hopefully, hopefully this will be the beginning of a, a, of a beautiful series that we uh, that we do. Yeah, yeah, um, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, um, if you enjoyed if you enjoyed the episode, if you enjoyed the show, remember to like, comment, subscribe. And we are on Spotify now, so be sure to check us out there and follow us. And as always, thank you so much for watching and take it easy. Bye.